From the MGMA in-home studios, welcome to the Insights Podcast. I'm Daniel Williams. I have two daughters, so I've watched every single Disney princess movie right. on earth. Um, Frozen 2, where Princess Anna was having a falling out with her sister, Princess Elsa, and she was in a dark place, and she just said, you know what, I'm going to do the next right thing. And that is pretty much what my mentality was when I was stuck. Just do the next right thing. I'll brush my teeth today. I will get outside and get some fresh air for a minute or two. I will make my bed. These are things that seemingly don't mean a lot to the average person who's not in a dark place. But when you start stringing together wins, it helps you to kind of get the momentum needed to be able to move forward. And that's really what I was looking for. That's Shola Richards talking about some of the steps he took in turning his life around and how he's been able to position himself as a sought-after keynote speaker and a thought leader on workplace culture and building better teams. We'll hear more from Shola in just a moment. But first, a word from our sponsors. Spend more time doing what you love, caring for patients, and less time on clinical documentation. Nuance Dragon Ambient Experience, or DAX, captures the patient story securely and accurately to automatically document at the point of care for increased efficiency in patient throughput. Visit nuance.com DAX to sign up for a live stream demo and explore how DAX, Nuance's ambient clinical intelligence solution can transform your organization. It's all about you this fall. Accelerate your path to medical practice leadership. Be empowering, be influential, be exceptional, be a leader. Join us in San Diego, October 24th through the 27th at the Medical Practice Excellence Leaders Conference. Visit mgma.com slash mpe21 and register today. Our guest today is Shola Richards, founder and CEO at Go Together Global. Shola's here today to talk about how healthcare leaders can create successful strategies to strengthen team cohesion and togetherness. Shola, thanks so much for joining us today. My pleasure, Daniel. Thank you for having me. I'm, I'm pumped for the conference and I'm pumped for this interview. All right. Great. Now, first, I want to ask you a little bit about your background because I was doing some research and today you're a very successful keynote speaker. But according to your bio and other information, that wasn't always the case. You have stated, and I'm going to read this right, over a decade ago, I was drowning in the despondency of yet another workday you were exhausted from the drama that can come out of that. Uh, tell us about that. What was going on in your world at that time? And what did you do to kind of pull yourself out of that cycle? Yeah, thanks for asking. And it was bad. And I think, you know, it's weird because I think about a decade ago or over a decade ago with the challenges that I was facing in a workplace that was deeply toxic. They're just bullying, harassment, all sorts of awful things going on, and really no accountability structure so people could just get away with whatever the heck they wanted to. 
it was horribly depressing and, and depressing in a sense that it was just made you lose faith in humanity. It's like, why mm-hmm. is this behavior being allowed to continue? I think about now, fast forwarding a little bit in 2021, and as bad as things were back then when I was dealing with my stuff, I wasn't in a global pandemic. There wasn't all this civil unrest, the level of divisiveness going on. So I think people now are feeling similar. I get a lot of people when I share my story after a keynote say, oh my gosh, thank you for sharing that. I'm feeling what you felt 10 years ago right now. And so, you know, to answer your question more specifically, how did I pull myself out of it? I had to learn techniques for resilience. I had to learn what it really meant to, resilience has this this bad idea of like, you just got to grit your teeth and make your way through it. And that's not really it. It's, It's like, it's really some simple, thoughtful things like focusing on what you have the power to control, you know, really surrounding yourself with people who will support you instead of drag you down and, and taking action regardless how little it is towards some sort of healing and improvement. Um, that's how I got out of it about 10 years ago. And that's what I help others to do when they're struggling right now in this day and age. Yeah. Did, did you have a specific aha moment or was this a lot of self-searching, you know, self-awareness that it came to you over time? What, how did it just sort of bubble up to the surface where you kind of took control of your life there? Gosh, I wish I had like a sexier, like origin story. It really (laughs) is so not sexy. It's just like just spending multiple days depressed and in bed. And I was just like, one day I was like, you know what? Like I'm going to brush my teeth this morning. Like, you know what? I'm going to get outside and get some fresh air. And I think the thing that helped to even make that step happen was I just, I felt like there was a little bit more that I could be doing. So instead of overwhelming myself with, I'm just gonna make sure that I eat just straight kale and and I just work out seven days a week. Like that mountain would have been, just getting out of bed was challenging when I was really struggling. So I took one step, there's a movie. <laughs> I have two daughters. So I've watched every single Disney princess movie right. on earth. Um, Frozen 2, where Princess Anna was having a falling out with her sister, Princess Elsa. And she was in a dark place. And she just said, you know what, I'm going to do the next right thing. And that is pretty much what my mentality was when I was stuck. Just do the next right thing. I'll brush my teeth today. I will get outside and get some fresh air for a minute or two. I will make my bed. These are things that seemingly don't mean a lot to the average person who's not in a dark place. But when you start stringing together wins, it helps you to kind of get the momentum needed to be able to move forward. And that's really what I was looking for. Mm -hmm. That's great advice because in the healthcare world, we have seen some really uh, just Mm, some some statistics on mental health and behavioral health that are crushing, uh, particularly, oh, yeah. you know, across the U.S., just due to the pandemic, the isolation, the a little bit of the chaos that's been going on, the social mm-hmm. and racial unrest, so many things that have been disturbing that have disturbed people. So that is great advice from you to, if you can, compartmentalize and just try to not tackle the whole thing at once. But it's too hey, hard. Let's take this first step. So, And to your point, I mean, think about these folks who are in charge of managing billing, customer service, compliance, all these different aspects of their role, all on top of a global pandemic, all mm-hmm. on top of 
people who choose to be compliant with social guidelines and health guidelines and those who do not. And it's so much to ask someone and to ask leaders to be able to manage. And this is not like, hey, you know, just push through for the next six weeks or so and it's going to be fine. We have no idea when this is going to end. And that's what makes it so hard is this indefinite stretch that how long do I need to stay strong for? How long do I need to be strong, not just for me and my family, but for the people who I supervise and lead in my medical practice. So there's a lot going on. And this is probably one of the hardest times to be a professional, certainly a medical professional that I can remember in my lifetime. Mm -hmm. Good point. Um, In reading about you prior to this interview, but now talking to you, you have a very inspirational outlook on life. It comes across on the page when I read about it, it comes across as I'm looking at you in this video call that we're having. Um, Where did that mindset come from? Because you talked about at one point things weren't so cheery and positive, but now you do have this great outlook on life and just wondering where, what is the origin story on that when you think about it? You know, I'm so blessed to have one the parenting lottery. And I think that's, you know, I tell people, cause a lot of times people say, well, I share a lot about my parents. I, I certainly will during the keynote. And there's, they're very inspirational people. They're super hardworking. They, they, they have this magical thing about them and maybe magical is not the right word, but to me, it felt magical growing up. It's like, and certainly looking back on it now as a 46 year old man, it's like, they were able to, even in situations where they might have struggled or things were hard, I never once felt that. I never once knew how hard they struggled. It was all positive. It was all, and it wasn't like, to be really clear, because I think sometimes people can be like eye rolling at this. It wasn't like toxic positivity where like bad things were happening and they're pretending things are great. Like that's not what I'm talking about. They had this really great mentality. It's like, you know, this isn't great now, but we have an ability to make this better. And that was something that helped me to realize how much potential control I had over my outcomes and things that are going on. Like, man, when I'm in a bad situation, which happens, you know, multiple times a day these days, I'm like, you know what, I can, maybe this is bad, but I do have the power to make this better somehow. I, I might not even know how exactly, but that is extremely inspirational. So for my two young daughters, when I talk to them and they, you know, my oldest is in middle school and middle school is like a tough time with the mean girl stuff. And like I have to work with her and work with her to help her to have the same mentalities around like, listen, you can stay positive. You don't have to let this get you down, but don't let these opinions of others define you. When things get tough, there's a way out of it and we just got to be creative. And that's what really gave me the positive outlook was for my parents teaching me that. Oh, that's wonderful. Um, so beyond your parents and beyond uh, Disney princess movies, what <laughs> other sources have been there for you, whether it's teachers, mentors, books, films, anything else that you've just soaked in and embodied into your own uh, talks that you give? Mm. You know, I, it's funny behind me, I, I have a ton of books and I'm, I'm a reader. So I'm a little bit of a nerd. Um, <laughs> I love reading. There's a, uh, in not just reading, I really love listening to great speakers. So I've had the honor of not, not formally, but I call them my mentors from afar. Like one of the first books that I read 
when I was younger was um, a book by Dr. Wayne Dyer. Mm -hmm. And I read a lot of his stuff. And um, one of his books, uh, The Power of Intention, was something that really helped shape me. I love listening to Les Brown as a speaker. And, you know, you could argue he's the best to ever do it. And he is just someone who I looked at and was so inspired by, you know, and I would really sit and listen to his talks and learn a lot. Um, there's so many people who have had the opportunity to really engage with and anyone who helped me to think a little bit bigger than I was willing to think before. And, you know, I'm, I'm a small town country kid and I, didn't grow up with connections. I didn't know anybody. Everything that's happened was the result of hard work, but maybe more importantly, the importance of building meaningful relationships. So I learned that early on where even in the speaking industry, where you run into people who are like, you know, the, the person who is like super mean to the AV person and just like, and has acts like a diva. It's like, I never understood that. It's like, these people are there to help you. And I, I learned early on from my parents in concert with the books that I read about the importance of being kind and, and being gracious and being, you know, thoughtful, compassionate, all these things that people kind of take for granted. So I, that's changed me and made me who I am today. Okay. So are you saying in San Diego, you don't have your your room won't have to be uh, equipped with green M&Ms or something for oh, you. Oh, no, I didn't say that. I'm expecting <laughs> green M&Ms and like rose petals as I walk <laughs> off at the stage and someone holding my robe, which you guys have my fitting for my robe, right? That, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. It's so funny. It's like, all I need is a microphone that works in an audience and we're good. <laughs> That's, That's all good. I need. I'm low maintenance. Good to know. I'll get that back to the team. <laughs> oh, I appreciate that. <laughs> so, um, as you know, it, it has been pretty difficult these last 18 months, both physically for many people with health issues, uh, just mentally and uh, emotionally challenging. You talked about back in some of your darker days, you just took things one step at a time. You may still be doing that, but <laughs> what have you been doing to get through these days? Have you had a particular exercise regimen or some daily habits that have helped you really uh, fortify what you do on a day-by-day -day basis? Yeah, that's a great question, Daniel. Thanks for asking. I am, I move a lot. So I exercise daily. So I, and by exercise, I mean, I'm, I am working up a sweat for 30 minutes every single day. It does something to your mind, not just your body and to your mind in terms of emotionally to move a lot. And I mean, by a lot, I mean, consistently over and over again. And, you know, I'm not expecting everyone to have like, you know, like time to do all this, but you can do something like I'm not mm -hmm. willing to hear I have zero time. Like you have you have five minutes to move your body to right. take a quick walk or to to walk in place in your living room or something just to get your blood pumping a little bit. It's, it's something that can have really powerful effects on your mental health. If you do that. And I, I, I needed that during the pandemic, I had a moment where I was just completely, completely, completely inactive. And I didn't, I didn't 
I didn't move. And I think a lot of it was the shock of the pandemic. I was dealing with the impossibility of parenting, teaching, and, and trying to work from home simultaneously. And it was just too much. And I was like, and it really affected my mental health because I knew I wasn't moving around as much as I needed to. And once I got into a little bit of a routine and I've been keeping it ever since, it's made a big difference for me. Oh, that's wonderful. Um, now, we've been talking about meeting up in San Diego. You're going to be speaking at the MGMA's Leaders Conference. That's going to be in October. Woo! <laughs> now, I love wait. this. I know. I know. It's going to be great to meet you there in person. And your topic is called The Courage to Go Together practical strategies to build more cohesive, collaborative, and compassionate teams. I know you don't want to give away too much of the secrets leading up to it, but give us an idea. What can somebody expect to learn from you, to just absorb from your energy and your inspiration there during that talk? Yeah, you know, I think the main thing that I want people to walk away with is this idea that nothing meaningful can be done alone in order for us to be able to create not just the best outcome for our patients that we serve for the people who we supervise the people who we are in a position to help within the community we need to do this together and together through the concept and the idea of civility how we treat each other and this is something that i think is lost i think we have people who uh you know, are not aware of how their words and actions affect others, or they are aware and they just don't care, which is also a problem, right? So it's like, how do we get, how do we, how do we figure out how to manage and work with people who are in a position where they don't take this stuff seriously? And most importantly, how to make sure that we do as leaders take it seriously, because this changes outcomes without civility, without civility, there's no respect. If there's no respect, then you're not going to trust anyone. If people don't trust you, you're not going to communicate effectively. And if you don't have respect, trust, civility, or effective communication, patients will get sick and potentially die, will lose an opportunity to make real progress in our communities, and the people who we're entrusted to lead won't follow us unless they have to. That is not a recipe for success. And it all starts with civility. And that's really what I'm going to get into in my talk practical ways to create a more civil workforce and to make sure that we not just give that civility to others, but dare I say to ourselves as well, so we can be prepared for the challenges ahead. Mm -hmm. What does civility mean to you? I mean, I know in, if we go to the etymology of the word, we, you know, <laughs> we think about civil rights. We, yeah. we think about, you know, civil unrest. We think of all these you know, words that have branched out from there. But when you're talking about civility, what are you getting at? What do you mean by that? That's, you know, civility has so many definitions. The one that I tend to roll with the most is a consistent and sincere demonstration of respect. Hmm. To me, it's very, it's simple. It's not just like me saying, hey, Daniel, I'm holding the door open for you. And then, you know, well, that's fine. And I appreciate offers of niceness, but it's more than just the simple surface level stuff. It is truly demonstrating that you care. If I'm going to hold the door open for you, for example, you walk through it and you don't acknowledge the fact that it held the door open for you. And I'm like, Oh, what a jerk. You didn't even see. That's not civility. That's, that's something else. That was an ego based activity. I needed something from you in order to make mm -hmm. that activity feel good. The reality is if I'm truly in a place of kindness and I'm doing this from wanting to just make your day a little bit better, 
your response is irrelevant because I'm doing something for you and whether or not you thank me or not, that doesn't make a difference. But civility is something that's really hard to get a grasp on for a lot of people. It's not a word that is often discussed. It really comes down to the idea of finding common ground, disagreeing without disrespect, which is a very um, uncommon thing in this day and age, quite frankly. I think we're in a place where you disagree, I disagree with you, I'm going to demonize you. So, and unfortunately that does creep into the workplace. So we have to be aware of that. We have to make sure that we find common ground in the work that we do and make sure that we're showing that whenever we come up to serve our patients, our clients or whoever else we need to serve. For sure, thank you for that. Um, now in your session, and I hope I get this right, please correct me, but you talk about the Ubuntu philosophy. Very, How, very good. You said it perfectly. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Nicely done. <laughs> what What is that philosophy? Where did it come from? How did you learn about it? Yeah. So Ubuntu, again, perfectly worded, is an African philosophy that means I am because we are. My dad is from Sierra Leone, West Africa. We've talked in many, many times about this concept, Ubuntu doesn't have a one-to-one, -one, um, I guess, equivalent in the English language, but really what Ubuntu is, it is the height of selflessness, is the height of kindness, compassion, and connectedness. It is a really powerful concept. And it's this idea that if we really start looking at the world where there's no place where I end and Daniel begins, for lack of a better way of putting it. We have some sort of connection and we may not be able to see it, but it's, it's there. That is something that allows us to do our best work and to ensure like if we are choosing to throw some mean words at each other, or if I were to send some mean words to you, I'm not just hurting you, but I'm certainly hurting myself as well. And understanding that if we really want to go forward, we're gonna have to do so together. We can't do this alone. And that's, that's what this concept is about. It's so powerful and it's such a message of just real powerful kindness, what we can use to begin to change the world. And I am so excited to share this with the group in San Diego, it's gonna be fun. Okay. Now in your talk, I was doing some research on it and you ask, it, it, it has a level of interactivity, at least from a mental aspect. You ask yes. the audience to ask questions of themselves. Mm -hmm. I want to get this right so they can begin to create a better work environment for themselves and for others. Again, I don't want you to give everything away, but what are some of the questions that we all can be asking ourselves so we can work together better with more civility? Yeah, so I'll, I'll give you the questions, but I can't go deeper because I want to save the meat. <laughs> okay. for, for, but I will give you the questions and the questions are, and it's, it's, it's deeper than it sounds. So the question that you need to ask yourself before you have any interactions with anyone is, is it kind, is it true, and is it necessary? And the science behind this is what I'm excited to share with the people in San Diego because it's, these are questions you need to ask yourself before you speak and do anything. And the idea is you should be saying yes to all three before you move forward. But what does it actually mean? I'll get to that. And also too, after explaining it, there's gonna be an opportunity for me to preemptively answer any uh, 
objections or yeah buts that may come like yeah but shola you know in my <laughs> medical practice is so i'm 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 ready so that's it's those three questions can make an enormous difference and these questions have been used from the military to the aerospace industry to higher education and a ton of times in healthcare so i'm really excited to be able to share this with the audience and really get practical with them okay so one of the issues that we're dealing with right now is a new type of workplace. Um, the pandemic has, it's offered us an opportunity for many people to work remotely, whereas it's been forever and ever, it seemed like it was the typical workplace where you clock in at a certain time, clock out at a certain time and you're at a physical location. Now we're not all in the same place at the same time. So, how do we remain connected and have engagement with one another when we're not all there at the same time? Yeah, you know, I think this has been one that's been really, really tough for a lot of people. And, you know, I'm just gonna be real. There's no, and I'm gonna speak for myself on this. I don't think there's really any replacement for in-person interaction, I think we can do the best we can with the tools that we have available. And one of the ways that we can connect, even if we're not actually connecting in person, is to connect with a little level of vulnerability. And let me, let me get to what I mean by that. So, so I think a lot of people are struggling. I think there's some folks who are like, man, this is great. I get to stay at home and wear pants with elastic waistband all day. This is incredible, right? So, but there's a lot of people who are really struggling and aren't in a, are literally not safe at home um, and, and, don't, and don't feel good there. And I think that's where the ability to create psychological safety with your people is important, where people can feel safe sharing things that may be considered vulnerable, knowing that if you have that level of connection, it's like, hey, how are you doing today? You know, how, what's going on? And I heard from someone, I think this is so true. I think we're all two how are you's from a breakdown, right? It's like, how are you? Like, I'm fine. No, 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 Daniel, how, how are you? It was like the second <laughs> one is the one that gets you, you know? So it's like, I think there is a opportunity to connect more deeply, say, hey, listen, are you, is everything okay? I'm here to support you. I know that we're not actually there physically in the same office, but it's important for us to stay connected. If there's anything that you need, please let me know. And I think these are ways for people to feel like they have an outlet, that they feel safe. I don't want people to just assume that everyone loves working from home. I think a lot of people do, um, quite frankly, but not everyone does. And I think that is, I've run into situations over the past year of doing this where people are in very, very toxic situations at home that are unbearable. So, and you might not even know it because they show up to every meeting, they're there and they're smiling on their Zoom screen or whatever platform you're using. And then you don't really know or assume that things are not not well, but it's up to us as leaders to find a way to connect, whether it's frequent messaging or, or having one-on-ones, which you can still do, and just checking with them and, and asking. Maybe you're not going to get the answer the first time, but the more you repeat, hey, is there anything I can do for you? Let me know. If so I'm here for you. That can make a difference to someone who's struggling. Okay. I have a final question for you. You've mentioned some terms like mindfulness and kindness several times. <laughs> So 
what can you tell us about this self-awareness, mindfulness from your own journey that can then be translated to teams, to more compassionate teams, more collaborative teams? Mm -hmm. I think being in the moment, and I use this really intentionally, can make a big difference. By being present when you're having a conversation with someone, it can make a huge difference. We're so hyper distracted in our world right now. And it's like, it's really challenging. So I tell people, there's certain things that we can do to be mindful and, and to show and demonstrate that you're being kind. One of which seems so simple. Uh, it's to show that you're really serious about this stuff, starting and ending your meetings on time. Now, I, I really think about when you have one-on-ones with your employees, it's interesting to me how the person who is in the supervisory role and the person who is the individual contributor, so to speak, um, how I've seen supervisors show up late and mm -hmm. show up consistently late. Don't call, don't text and say you're running late. Come in 15 minutes, hey, I'm here now, let's go. It's such, a, it's such an example of rudeness and a lack of self-awareness about how their words and actions affect others. So I challenge people to be, to be aware. How would you feel if someone, if you're sitting for a meeting, waiting for it to start and you have other work to do and you show up 15 minutes late without any pre-warning? So I really want people to be really freakishly in the moment and to be aware of how their words and actions affect others consistently. And I remind them of this. It's like, all right, that's what those three questions are really geared to do is to make sure that you stay in the moment and you do this little checklist in your head before engaging, before having that conversation, before sending off that email that you may regret 24 hours later. These are the things that are so important to do that often get overlooked. And uh, I'm really excited to talk to you all about it in more detail. All right. Well, Shola, thanks so much for sharing these insights with us today and looking forward to meeting you in person in San Diego. Right on, Daniel. Appreciate you, man. Thank you very much. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of Insights. Thanks to our guest, Shola Richards. Also, thanks to Nuance and to MGMA Leaders Conference for sponsoring this week's show. Visit nuance.com slash DAX to sign up for a live stream demo and explore how DAX, Nuance's ambient clinical intelligence solution, can transform your organization. And join us in San Diego, October 24th through the 27th at the Medical Practice Excellence Leaders Conference. Visit mgma.com mpe21 and register today. If you like the show, please rate and review it wherever you get your podcast. If you have topics you'd like us to cover or experts you'd like us to interview, email us at podcast at mgma.com or you can find me on Twitter at MGMA Daniel. MGMA Insights is presented by Declan McGee, Rob Ketchum, and I'm Daniel Williams. Stay safe and thanks for listening.
Hi, this is Declan McGee, one of the producers for the MGMA Insights Podcast. If you like the work we're doing, please consider becoming an MGMA member. Learn more at mgma.com slash membership. Thanks.